This is Saren Kohli. You're listening to We Are All Africans. What's your name and what does it mean? My name is uh, Noemi Dibayula. My first name uh, means, it can, depending, I think it has different meaning in Arabic and in Greek. So one means wisdom and the other one means beauty. And um, my last name, well, there's different way to translate it, but it's either the one uh, that you wonder about or is the one that you um, go to, like to ask, to inquire about things. On my dad's side, we all have the same last name. But on my mother's side, in her generation, everybody has their own name. I am Congolese from the DRC. My and I'm also Angolan. My dad and my mom are from the same tribe. They're from the Congo tribe, so Bakongo. And my dad is from the Congo side and my mom is from the Angola side. And with um, the war in Angola, uh, the civil war, my, my mom's family, actually my mom is like a first generation Congolese because my grandmother and her husband at the time migrated to Congo because of the war. And so that also comes with a lot of, uh, for my mom, it was, it came with a lot of, um, I guess, trauma and a lot of shame because like when they were, when they grew up in Congo, like for them, they wanted to fit in. So um, they really put aside their Angolan background. My mom doesn't speak Portuguese. Uh, she doesn't speak the native, the dialect, even though the Angolan government at the time had put school for, for people to go. My mom didn't want to go because she wanted to fit in. And she spoke about being Angolan a bit later in, in life, but that was something like it was there, but never really talked about. And uh, so that's something I'm also looking into. Where did you grow up? I was born and raised in Canada, but from a younger age until 16, I was in a very, um, I, I guess I would say like a cocoon, like a very Nick Congolese community. Besides outside of school, I would spend most of my time with Congolese people at church, uh, with my cousins, because I was, I'm one of the few of my generation that, that was born in Canada. Like my younger siblings, like there are a lot more, but like most of people like were, were either born in Congo and came at a younger age or were born in Europe and came. So I was, I'm one of the few <laughs> in my cousin in my age like, that is born in Canada. And uh, I saw like my family come. So it's like Congo came to me as well. So there was a lot of friends. Uh, there was a lot of people coming through the house, coming and going because people were migrating. And um, that's, and outside of school, that's when I, I was a bit learning about like, what is it to be Canadian? And even when I was traveling, I always traveled where I had family. So we would go to Europe a lot because that's where a lot of my uh, dad's side of the family was. And then when I came 16 as a teenager, I started 
questioning myself, questioning life, questioning what I was. And I felt like my environment was like just too restrictive and too closed off. So I kind of decided to find a way to get out of there and see what life was about and figure out like who I was for myself. What did your family look like? When I was younger, I was very close to my dad. And then when my parents split up, it was a big shift in my life where it was like, when my when my parents were together, we had a dynamic. And when my parents separated, like all the family that was coming kind of kind of went away because it was mostly like my dad's support system. That was a big like marker in my life. And then I was with my mom, but with my mom, I would see like we had a lot of tension, you know, and it was all I was so I'm so different from her. So as a person, I was like, okay, I never felt at home. I never felt comfortable. I couldn't recognize myself. And I'm like, hmm. I guess maybe there's more to being Congolese or maybe there's more to being me because I never feel quite right. You know, even at church, they were preaching stuff and I was like, huh, I don't know. That doesn't make sense. No, I'm not. And, and I'm, I've always been curious. I've always been outspoken. So when I would ask questions, people would tell me, no, you just have to believe or that's just the way it is. And for me, that just wasn't enough. I'm like, mm, okay, I guess I just have to go and try to find some answers and trying to look for things because what I see now is too small, too restrictive. And I, I feel like I don't fit in. So maybe if I go, I might find something that is more like me. I didn't know. I didn't know where I wanted to go. I just knew that where I was wasn't that for me. So the first thing I did is like I, I left the church uh, by finding work and working on the weekend. So that was my excuse. I'm like, okay, I have to work. So that, that was my first step, like leaving because I wasn't going to church as much. Then I left the house very young. Uh, the, I moved down <laughs> and I had my own apartment. Um, then I, even when I was in school, like I was, I was always uh, curious about languages because I had a, it was easy for me to learn languages. Like even my mother tongue, I learned it on my own. My parents did not teach me. I learned through my cousins and my uncles and the TV that we were watching, but my parents never taught me. So when they realized that I was fluent, they were so surprised because they're like, who taught you? Because we never did. Uh, so I took, I was all, I, I took Spanish classes. I asked if I could do like a study abroad. I went for 10 days and then in university, I went to France for six months and then I traveled a, a, a bit. How important was church in your life? Church was, I would say church was everything. I grew up in a Protestant church. Pentecostal church. Uh, and we would go to church at least three times a week. We would go we go on Sunday and then on Sunday we had Sunday school. We would go Saturday because we had like youth activity, would practice. Then we, we might go on Wednesday for the prayer of the week. Uh, we might do even more. And my mom was very involved in the church just to begin with. And I think when my parents separated, uh, church kind of became her her safe place where she became even more religious. And it would impact everything, like the way we carry ourselves, the people that we talk to, the importance of having faith. 
I mean, like all the people I knew outside of school were like, I knew them through church because everything that was in church wasn't safe. Uh, all the music that we used to listen to when I was younger and have party and, and listen what my mom used to call like worldly music was removed from the house. All we would listen to was gospel, like Congolese gospel, but like it was just church, church, church. Like everything was about God all the time. When did you go to Africa for the first time? I went to Congo uh, uh, on my 25th birthday because, but at first I couldn't go because uh, with the war and like uh, the civil war, it just was too unstable. So we couldn't go. And, and most of my family, the one that we could get out of the country left. And then my mom started going back in, I think maybe 2005, I think, but she would go when I was in school. So I couldn't go. And then when I finished, when I graduated university at 25, uh, I said, I, I don't want to give. I don't want anything. I need to go. I, I have to go to Congo. And um, so my mom, I went with my mom. And the great thing is that we did Congo and Angola. And I mostly saw uh, people on my mom's side. It's also like a big marker of my life. It really was life changing. I, I It was difficult, but at the same time, it was It was something to just see the place that you hear about all the time, the people that you talk to all the time, but you never see, to understand where my family come, came from, to be in an environment where everybody spoke a language that you understood, to feel like you would, you know, like just disappear amongst people because everybody's alike. It was just, yeah, it was a great experience. So... I remember uh, when we landed in Kinshasa in the uh, Jili airport, first thing I felt was how hot and humid it was. And so you get at night, so you don't really see anything, but you just hear, like, it's so loud. You just hear, like, car, you just hear horns, you hear people talking, like, it's just movement. And you, and the first thing I was here was, like, Lingala. So I was like, oh, I know this language, but it's just... It's everywhere now. It's not just my mom. It's just, it's just everywhere. And I felt, I think I just felt really, um, I don't know if relief is the good word, but I was very at ease because uh, I think when you're born, like let's say in Canada, in the UK, whatever we call Western country, whether you like it or not, you always carry like some tension in your body because unless you're at home amongst your friend, when you walk in the world, you never... People or things remind you that you're never at home. And to get in Congo where everybody looks like me, I remember the language. I, I just felt my body just, you know, like relax in a way that I haven't experienced since I left. And um, yeah, it was very, uh, it was more in my body. Like I was very at ease. I was just listening and I was just, oh, wow, okay, this is where we come from. Like, okay, now it makes sense. Now I see the people. Now I see the language. Now I see what it's like to be one among many, just be anonymous, like really anonymous. So that was great. And uh, when I went to Angola, I was a bit disappointed because I think in my mind, I was like, okay, the African continent is so different from here, from Europe. But when I went to Angola, I felt like, but I was in, I was in Luanda, so the main, the capital, and I felt like I was in Europe, but with black people in it. And I didn't like that. <laughs> and I was like, why do I feel like I'm in Europe? Like, why does this look so familiar, but with different people? So, I mean, 
Angola has a lot more infrastructure than in Congo. So in Congo, it was more different. So I was more comfortable with the difference. But when I was, went to Angola and it was very familiar and people are a lot less private than in, than in, in Congo, like I was just like, oh, this feels like I've seen it before and I don't really like it. I was a bit disappointed of how European Luanda was. Uh, family was overwhelming uh, because um, it was too many people to remember, too many people to know, too many family connection, too many locations. Like, okay, this is your cousin. He's the, the daughter of this person that, if it, that lives in different countries. So it was too many people to place in my head. And also there was so many expectations towards me because I come from abroad. So they expected things from me. Like you, I, I could sense that people were talking to me but with, with the expectation that I would give something in the end, people came to me with business project. I'm like, I don't have money. Like I'm a student. Uh, I don't even like my own situation in Canada is not great. I understand that you want to invest, but I don't know you. So it was, so it was difficult balancing like, okay, the respect of, uh, of the family, the fact that we're blood and there's certain expectation and my true feeling like, I know we're family, but you're still strangers to me. And you can't say that. So you have to manage that. And also my mom is very like, oh, you should be in your environment. So she's not somebody that's really, um, how can I say this? She's not really, she doesn't really pay attention to the way I feel or like if I'm at ease or not. She just assumes that I'm going to figure it out and I'm going to navigate among those people because she knows them without realizing that, yeah, you know them, but I don't. So for me, they're all strangers that are too close to me because I'm somebody that has a lot of boundaries. But where my mom, she just, when she gets somewhere, she just talks to people and in that way we're opposite and she's not really attuned to my discomfort. So it was kind of hard to just be there and having to manage it because I knew I wouldn't have, the, my mom wouldn't be the gateway between the family and me. So that was difficult. I think it just um, cemented the fact that I need to go uh, it's, it also uh, showed me that I need to find a way to go without being de dependent on my family. Because, like I said, on my dad's side, like everybody that is close to me, like his siblings, I knew, I know them because they were in Europe. So I would interact with them a lot more. But my mom's family, I think I only have two aunts that came, but everybody, everybody else is in Congo or in Angola. So my family in Congo, they're also, at the time, they were in a very difficult situation. So I could see a lot of the needs and I was overwhelmed because I could sense that people were like, oh, okay, she's going to help us. And it was too much. And I knew I couldn't. Like I can't be swallowed by this family because it's too many people. So in a way, I was happy to be there. I was happy to see them. But I also knew right away that if I come back, I need to come back independently of them. I can't be in there. I can't be with them if I go back because I won't be able to do what I want to do. But with my Angolan family, like it was a less, a bit less people and they were in a better situation. So I, I wanted to go, I need to go back. I have to build a life there. Uh, maybe I just, uh, there's some skills that I need to acquire here first before I go. But definitely that's, that's where I'm going to. And it's going to be challenging, but I think it's, uh, it's worth, it's going to be worth the, the effort and all the good and the bad that's going to come with it.
I'm the eldest in my family, right? So I have four younger sisters and I already felt the weight of being the oldest. I already know what it's like because I, and we were, I think my eldest younger sister were eight years apart and the rest I think were 12 and 13. So like, I've already know, okay, like I have to, I already know that I have to take care among my cousin. I we, like, we're also the oldest. So like, I would always take care of kids, even at church. And already here I was suffocating. It was too much. And I felt it was unfair because sometimes I would feel like I needed help. And then when I would ask, okay, but who's going to help me? And they would say, yeah, well, God will help you. But I, so I, and I felt like that was so unfair because my mom depends on me because now I've become the second parent because my dad is gone, right? My younger sisters expect me to take care of them because I, they've been told that I'm, I'm like, I'm the backup. Everybody that's younger than me expects me to do this, but I have nowhere else to, to turn. Nobody's there for me except God, which is like, okay, great, but he's not physically there. So if I need help physically, like, what do I do? And then when I want, and, and then when I go to Congo, it's like, yeah, but now it's not like one or two people. Like it's about like, I don't know everybody, but I can always see 50 people expecting the same from me. I can't. I've already done it here and it's already difficult. Don't, I cannot, I can't, and I am not even, I'm not even in a place where I can do it. So it's like, how am I going to have the time to build myself to at least have something to give? If while I'm trying, you're already taking everything, I'm never going to have anything to give and I'm never going to, and I'm never going to have nothing. And I guess fortunately, unfortunately for me, I never saw the I don't see the value of being a, a martyr. I don't see the value of being bitter because I gave everything away. I need to keep something for myself. I also saw my mom that like she's the second in her family, but she's the only one here. And like as a kid, she, I mean, as, as far as I can remember, my mom always sends money back home. And she, I cannot even tell you the amount of money that she has sent. And she sent so much money and to go to Kumu and to see that with everything that she has done, there is nothing not even a house. There is nothing. I said, there's no way I'm going to be the second generation and be like Bank of Canada 2.0. I'm not doing it because they don't even understand the sacrifice for them. It's like, yeah, you owe us money, but you don't know that it means that me, I had to start working very young, that sometime we didn't have something to eat at home, that we don't have, like, we don't have anything because she gave everything out, but they don't have anything either. So zero plus zero, zero. I say, I'm not doing that. Sanza esila boye li bengali tondi mayele ya mobali kolia kobomba ye Mosolo na zwina kosala mofuku ndambo koya ndakona mama na bana ye ndambo pona popona pombina chosetie Dad came, uh, I'm not exactly, what I know is that he was in France because most of his family was in France and he felt like France was too much of a hostile environment. So he came to Canada and then 
the one that followed after him came here. My mom followed her husband. My dad used to work in IT. And then I think... I think my dad had issue like finding himself and my mom is like she came here followed her husband she had expectation thick broke down and then she had kids to take care of and she just had to manage and then my dad sometime when he remembered that he had kids he's like oh hi but like he wasn't really doing anything <laughs> the image of the african men that i grew up with is like almost like you know like the sun everybody revolves about him everything is about him like oh he like whatever he needs, that, that comes first. And, but when I was young, I think, and because I was my dad older's like first child, I think he was really in love with like, you know, seeing himself in somebody. People that knew me when I was very young, uh, even like they, they were like, if we see you, we see your dad. If we see your dad, we see you. So I was always with my dad. Like it was very, uh, so even though the, the world revolved around him because he loved me so much, I didn't feel the way because like I was his child, he would do he would do everything with me. We would do homework. He would carry me everywhere. So I didn't I didn't really feel the difference until like my older cousin came, and then I I, I was like, okay, there's things that uh, I do because he's I am the girl, and then he doesn't do because this is the boy. And then sometimes when my parents split up, but my my parents were still interacting, I would see how like because my dad said he was coming over, how our, our life would just stop for him to arrive, like preparing for him. That's a bit of the uh, the image that I had. But at the same time, because in my, we're mostly women. When my dad left, it was like, oh, like men to me became like a second thought because they were not part of my daily life. Because I was only surrounded by women and I would see men like occasionally. My mom was married pretty young. She had me pretty young. And when, before she used to be like, Oh, I don't like you really like school. You, but one day she said, "Is she told me?" And I was so surprised. Said, "I'm very happy that you're taking your time before we get married." She said, "She said, take your time," because I think she saw that some of the things she was worried about, like, okay, how am I going to provide for myself? Like, how am I going to be at peace? How am I going to do? Like, I'm doing well, and there's nobody next to me. And she said, "Yeah, I think." Take your time. And uh, now what I'm trying to do is uh, try and go back and ask my mom some questions about how she was brought up and things. Because I, from what I can understand, I just want to confirm. It's like I feel like she she didn't really have a time to live because she, she was with her family. She got married. Uh, she came to this new country and then she had kids. So when did she ha really have a time to be herself and just live for herself? I don't think she had that. And I think a lot of men underestimate being with somebody that never had a time to discover themselves. You just get married to get married. And then what kind of marriage are you having and what are you hiding and what are you projecting? Because we're all about... When did you realize you were African? I've always been African and I think my mom always reminded me because when I was a kid and I would do things, she'd tell me, we're not white people, we're Bantu, we don't do that. So she would always remind me when I would misbehave in a way that she felt like was unacceptable. And also because I don't remember not being among Congolese people. I was the first being born here, so I saw everybody come to me. It's like Congo came to me through my family, through the video, through the food, through everything. So I never had a doubt that I was African, but also, and it's when I started having a conscience and be a teenager and I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm the right kind of African. Like, I know that I am, but am I the right kind? I don't know. When you're young, things are very black and white and you're like, oh, 
for me, being African is, is being like my family. So if I'm not like my family and I'm very different and you're the black sheep of the family, you're like, oh, maybe I'm not African enough. And that's why we don't vibe. You don't, you don't think that, oh, maybe my family comes from a like very religious, like my mom, I would say, comes from a very religious environment and she's very protective. So maybe a very... I'm not a very religious African. You just think I'm not African. I'm not the right kind because why am I not vibing with my mom? My parents separated when I was eight. So I was still very young. And from that point on, my world became very small because it was the people from the church that I was going to. I wasn't interacting with any other people because that's the only thing my mom would allow. Even a lot of people on my dad's other family, I would interact with them like in specific circumstances, but my, my world became very small when my parents separated. I'm born in Canada, but when I speak to people, I mean, most of my friends that I've made here are children of immigrants. And as I got older, most of my friends became African women from different African countries. I don't have white Canadian friends. Uh, most of them, I lost them when I was done with school. And I have, yeah, so it's like even the people around me, like I don't have a lot of, actually, I don't have any white friends. I know white people, but I don't have fr white friends. And I have a few Asian friends, but like a few, not many. So most of my friends now are African women from the diaspora of different African countries. That's my circle right now. I'm building it. I haven't built it yet. And I think for me, in my mind, the best way I'm going to test it is when I'm going to move to the continent, which is in a few years. That's my plan. Because I think it's one thing to be African outside of the continent, and it's a one another thing to be African on the continent. And I need, I for myself, I need to live that. And when I do that and I test it, I think maybe I'll be closer to a final answer. But right now, I think I'm not there yet. I think I'm still figuring it out. At this point in my life, to be African is, well, just a, the easy answer, the basic answer is to be born either on the African continent or of African parents. And then if you add to that, if you are exposed to the African, your specific African culture, and then how do you feel that in your body and accept that and feel it 100% I'm still a work in progress and I'm not 100% there yet. But that's me and because I have very high expectation and I'm, I'm special. I have a strong desire to go back and to live and to see maybe what my parents saw on the daily and how I can make it my own. When I was a kid, I had that. And then as I was growing up and becoming myself, I think I forgot about it because, you know, you get busy with life. But when I stopped being busy, it came back to me and I said, if I had this room when I was younger and now that I... I have space is the thing that comes back to me, then I should do it because it means something to me. Yes, I mean, uh, yes, I want to go. I want to go to the DRC. I also want to go to Angola. Like, I really want to um, trace back my family history on both sides and have something that will last in time that if somebody in our family has questions and wants to know things, they can go back to.
and something that will stand the test of time. That's what I, that's something for me. I think that would be my life project. And to do that, I think I need to go back, talk to people, understand and, and do work just because so that wherever we are, wherever we go, we have something that we can look to and understand how we got where we are. I have the loyalty and the bond that we have because we're family. What's your connection with Congolese music? Oh, um, the music? For a time I was fed up, but now I like, I like how Congolese music is part of a lot of African story, uh, people's life and stories. So when they say, oh, yes, you know this artist, when we were young, we used to do this. So it's like, just because you're Congolese, people tell you part of their life story because Congolese music has been part of a lot of people's life. I like it. I was a fan of Papa Wimba. Like for me, I was just a fan of him. Like, I, I mean, if I was young, older, I would have been a groupie. I would have followed him everywhere. I loved him so much. And when I went to Congo, I met him in the in uh, Paris airport and we took a picture together. Liwa e poni motote la vie zalili bonza tika kolera lelaka talanga yo yo moto na linga kayo na ye 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 ngo na ye bolingo na panguisa yo miso. And I went the year Tabuli died. So I went to Tabuli's funeral in Congo and I touched his coffin. It was amazing. So that's the year that I went to. And so I have a picture of, of me and Papoim by the airport. And um, I was with my mom. And it's like, oh, mom, 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 it's him. She's like, go talk to him. I said, like, no, I can't talk to him. I said, well, she said, go ask him for a picture. I was like, no, I can't. And then I went. And he was with his entourage and it was like very cool. And he has his glasses on. And I said, oh, do you mind just removing your glasses? And I took a picture with him and it has been my Facebook profile for years. And I changed it. But that's to me, that was just like an omen that this it was my time to go because I met my favorite artist on my way there. Yeah. And I was also and I was able to pay my respect to one of the legends of the community music. Do you speak any languages? Well, the one that I speak the most and I'm fluent in is Lingala, and that's the language that a lot of people speak because of Mobutu and the army and they kind of spread that throughout the country. I'm also uh, learning Kikongo a bit and uh, I'm looking for a teacher because I took some classes here because it was an African school, but it wasn't to the extent that I wanted. So I'm learning Kikongo and I'm thinking of maybe learning Swahili because it's spoken a lot on the continent. But I find like all the I mean, even if I don't recognize them, like even like Chiruba, I can't speak it, but I hear it. And I just find that they sound so nice, like they're very pleasant to the ear. But the one that I speak the most and I recognize is, uh, is Lingala and Kikong. For us, because everybody had their own name, it's ghost location also house because then they know you're part of which family. Because it's only now that we all have the same last names, but before everybody had, my mom, like, Nobody, like there's her brothers and sister, everybody has their own name. So unless you know them, you don't know that they're related by their name. They don't have the same name. I think for me, I'm going to be a lot more intentional. I don't think my parents had, uh, my dad a bit more when we were younger, 
But for my mom, it's just not, I'm going to raise you the way I was raised. But I don't think she was intentional about saying, oh, I'm going to raise you like a Congolese. Uh, for me, I intend to be intentional. And also, I'm already planning, they're going to have in the summer, we're going to have like uh, group work on different like African authors and different African tribe and different things that we're going to read and have summaries and research. Like I'm going to be very intentional, but not just to speak to them about being Congolese because I don't know I don't know uh, where they're gonna end up in life. So I just want them to to know what it means to be yes Congolese and whatever they are, and also what it means to be part of the African story and where being African fits in the history of mankind. So that when they go to the world, they're being challenged. They know what they are when they come from and what they can contribute. Because I think what was very difficult for me being born here is like when I was being challenged. I had nothing to back it up other than the fact that my mom is this because I, w- I wasn't really told the story and I didn't know the whole like geopolitical context of things and how we're all related and like and you know colonization and but I didn't know so I couldn't speak for myself or defend myself or feel that I had a solid foundation I felt like I was a bit like floating so I would like to offer that to my kids but at the same time my mom never had to do that because uh, or my parents never really had to do that because uh, they were among themselves, so they were not they were not really challenged about who they are, except maybe for class. But it's like the struggle was different, so I don't think they were like, "Oh, let me give that to my channel." Here's they're my children. I'm gonna raise them, and they will know. But when you're, it's you don't know what it's like to be raised outside of the country if you've never been raised outside of the country. So you don't know what your children need because you. You haven't experienced that. When do you feel most African? People always tell me that in my family, people used to always tell me, oh, you always want to do your own things. You're always very combative. You're very... uh, like you're always pushy, like a woman's supposed to be soft, a woman's supposed to be uh, nice and kind, and you like you shouldn't be this hard as a woman. And it used to always really bother me. I'm like, I don't want to be like walked over and be like, I don't want to be a push push over and be very soft and things like that. And then um, I started asking uh, my mom stories, and then I asked her about her name, and she said, Oh yeah. Uh, my name is my mother's uh, mother name. That's how I got my name. And she said, when I think my mother's grandmother, yeah, my grandmother's mother's, no, hold on. My grandmother, her grandmother. Yeah, that's where my mom got her name from. Okay, so three, three generation. And um, she said, I'd, she, my mom told me, I didn't really like my name when I was younger because the person I got it from, uh, we have a lot of um, anger issue in our family. And she said, the, my grandmother, that I carried the name, what she used to do <laughs> is that when she was done with a man, she would just burn the village and walk, take her kid, burn the village and go. And I laughed so much. So like, oh, I get it now. I get it. It's like I come from a family, like, I mean, it's not good that she did that. But at the same time, I laughed so much. I was like, why are you guys telling me you have to be soft? You have to be nice. You have to be this. When I had an ancestor that when she was done with you, she would take her kid and burn the house down. And I realized that my mom, too, in her life, the reason why she became so religious is because before then, 
like my grandfather had 10 wives and then uh, the women, like it's like they would divorce up and down. It's like when, when they're done with you, everybody in my family was remarried. Most of the women in my mom's, they were reminded uh, two or three times and it wasn't taboo. And I think for my mom, becoming religious was a way to bring kind of order to her life and have structure and be different from what she saw that she didn't like. And she went, yeah, and she went there, but very extreme because it was so different. And for me, I was like, yeah, but this is too restrictive. So I moved, you know, I switched I didn't go to the extreme, like I don't burn people's house down. You know, I don't do that. But I do have character and I do have temper and I just, I speak up and I send for myself. But I'm not the first one because that's what people, the women in my family have done for years. I say, if, and now when I, to be funny, I said, look, I'm nice because my great grandma used to burn villages when she was pissed off. I don't do that. I just speak up. So I'm good. I'm aligned. You know, I'm, I'm aligned with where I come from. <laughs> And and so that's why I'm trying to, to ask these stories to understand because I, I find that through these stories, I find bits of myself because sometimes, you know, our parents are trying to protect us. So there's things that they don't tell us and you feel at odd and like, why am I like this? If Why am I the way I am if the way you are is the way the family is? And then you realize, no, it's not. That's the choice that you made based on what you saw. And to protect me, you want to, you're trying to tell me that this is how things are supposed to be. If you give nuance to things and you explain and you give choice and take it, this, I think it, the outcome will be better than when you have to completely walk away and break free. Because that's that's hard. That's hard to uh, feel out of place and break free. And it's it's yeah, it's not an easy process to do. Not everybody can do it, and it's traumatic to do that. It can lose scars, and sometimes it can just you know split the family apart because it's it's hard. What do you love most about being African? Ooh, I love that we have a very, 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 very long uh, and diverse and extensive history um, that we don't know about. I love that we are, is it at a crossroad, but like there's so much of us to define uh, and build and grow and make. So there's, there's opportunity in everything. Um, I love that we are proud. Thank you so, so much, Noemi, for trusting me with your story. I wish you all the best in this journey back to Africa. This is Saren Coley. You're listening to We Are All Africans. See you next Wednesday en français.